So we continue our series with Ephesians, um, where we see that the Apostle Paul is inviting the church in Ephesus in the midst of all that is going on in the city. He is inviting them to walk a walk worthy of the calling. And I think this is a great illustration here, because as I said to you, the words worthy that we have translated in English is axios. So it's equal balance. So the, the walk that, that Paul is asking the Ephesians to do is this of the equal balance. Uh, so in one side is what they are, who they are, and what Christ has made them to be. So the response of the other side is that they, they bring their life worthy of the calling. So this is, this is a great, great example here. And we, we looked at what does that look like in real life because this is where the rubber hits the road. This is, has to do with me as an individual. This has to do with us corporately. And last week also we looked at the idea that what does it mean to, to actually put off the old self and put on the new self, and under whose help and authority do, do we do this, and how our inclination is to go always to the back self, where actually Paul is saying, no, no, put in new self, because you have been made alive in Christ. And, and because, because he's so precious about this life worthy of the calling, Paul wants to, to give some ideas of what this look like what does this life worthy of the calling look like looks like so therefore he says therefores a lot of therefores a lot of therefores um so what we're going to be looking today is is um basically in the backward because it comes from Paul and he's writing the letter he's continuing now to to be a little bit practical, and he's continuing to give ideas of what does this life in equal balance look like, and under whose help do we live this life uh, that we, we are being asked and we've been invited. So the, the Ephesians chapter 4 starts that I urge you, so there is this sense of invitation, there is this sense of, come on guys, I, I, I know, I've experienced it, come on, I urge you. And, and in chapter 5, he starts with it, or he continues this invitation, he expands this invitation to say that a life worthy of the calling is when you and I, when the church in Ephesus, in the midst of where they have been placed, in the midst of all the situations and stuff, they become imitators of God. And that's the start of chapter 5. I'm going to read it, and then um, I'm going to read the first probably seven verses, and then, um, then we're going to carry on. So, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us. And gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed 
Because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor there should be obscenity, foolish joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. I'll read verse 8 because it's a good one as well. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. May God's name be blessed through the public reading of his word. Amen. So the series is A Habit of Mine. The series has always had in mind, whenever I thought about it, is that if the good news of Jesus Christ, who we were saying that he, is, he brings every change, he is transforming, is not good news for the church, it cannot be good news for people who we have been asked to share the good news with. So if the good news is not transforming my life to the likeness of Christ, then it's not good news. It's just good information. And I, I think last week when I shared with you about the word sanctification, I thought of it back after I'd spoken that I don't think I, I explained it right. And what I mean by the process of sanctification is then by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become each and more every day in the likeness of Jesus. So it's, it's a little bit about what John the Baptist says, that less, less of me and more of Christ in me. So that's the process of sanctification. That's, that's what is expected, that when the gospel brings good news, the, what, the that it transforms, that it brings actually for people who have been dealing and who people were struggling with particular shortfallings, that they encounter the gospel and all of a sudden they stop doing it. This is the power of the gospel. That's why Paul says in Romans that it's the power of God unto salvation. And the word that is used there for power is dynamite. So we come to Ephesians 5, and he's extending his pastoral letter because actually he is very keen that these guys get to grips that actually, yes, they live in Ephesus. Yes, they're surrounded by all sorts of things, including idolatry. And yet, the invitation is to follow one. God. The imitation, or the invitation, is to be imitators of God. And where do we find that? We find it 
in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. I shared with you two Sundays ago that um, I, the day before my birthday, I went and spent half a day of prayer. And I, I've never been so immersed and so overwhelmed by the, the, the feeling of gratitude in my life. I had two moments on my half a day of prayer. I, I was very grateful for a lot of things. I've, I've looked them up again and again. And also the second thing that I was very grateful was that it seemed to me like God was saying that I need to, to look at the Sermon on the Mount. If I wanted to be Christ-like, I need to look at the Sermon on the Mount in the next 10 years and the rest of my life. And I think, but God, I, I've looked at that. And on that day, I read Sermon on the Mount five times. And it was just, again, amazing to see, whoa, I've missed so much about this. So where do I find how I become an imitator of God? <laughs> when my life is unbalanced. <laughs> and the invitation is for me to bring my life into balance. And I look at the life of Christ and I look at his love and I look at his forgiveness and I look at his reaching out and I look at his non-compromising and I look at his going and meeting the people in the most dire situation and giving them a hand and saying, what is it much easier to say you are forgiven or pick up your bed and go home. And the ripple effects that Jesus' actions do are immersed. And yet, we as his people, 2,000 years after that, were asked to follow and to be imitators of Christ. What does that look like? What does this look like? It's, it's actually, it's love. The positive things about an, being an imitator of God is, is by showing God's love. We, we've been praying for Noah's Ark and their vision is sharing God's love in practical ways. This is what we are as a church. We want to share God's love. We're here not because we're here. We're here because God has put his love in our hearts, and we want to share it. We want to tell people about Jesus. We want for them to experience God's love. And, and, and then that's what, that's what Paul says here. Be imitators of God, dearly love children, and live a life of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. So it's not only a life of love, but it's also a life of sacrifice. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. So where do we see how we become imitators of God? When we see God's being so generous because he wanted to reconcile with the world by giving the most precious thing, his son Jesus. Because he loved us. And because he wanted us to experience. He wanted us to embrace. He wanted us to, to, to be touched by this love and be transformed so we can be contagious. 
That's what imitation is. It's amazing how you see how, how people, because by nature we're all imitators. It's, it's interesting how Gloriana has picked up, Gloriana is our youngest daughter, has picked up all the things from her sisters just in, in, in just ways that we don't, we don't understand. So we've got, uh, we've got uh, one episode in our home that our girls talk with an American accent. And it's, it's fascinating to see, I mean, to see Gloriana pick up she doesn't know that she's speaking with an American accent, but she's imitating what her sisters are doing. And because by nature we are all imitators, we are bombarding, we are being bombarded with information to whom do we imitate. That's what's going on with the celebrity world. This is what, what our children and young people are struggling with because the pressure is for them to follow in the footsteps of one star, two star, three star. Who's the next candidate? And we are bombarded with information that imitating this particular issue or imitating this particular person or this particular cause would be good and stuff. And actually, this is the same things that the Ephesians were dealing with. And Paul is saying, who are you imitating? Because if you're not imitating God, then you're falling short of that balance. So come to grips, come back to the balance, come back to this, come back to this equal weight, because you have been made alive in Christ. And because you have been made alive, alive in Christ, then you live your life as a result of that life that you have embraced. How, what are the negative, what is the negativity? How do we become imitators of Christ. What's, what, what shouldn't we do? And the, 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 the call here is to, to abstain from all the evil practices. Who defines what is good and evil? That's a question that we deal a lot. Go back to the Scripture. Go and see what, heart, what the heart of God is about good and what, go and see what the heart of God is about evil. But the invitation is for us to become invitation is for us to become imitators of Christ. I'm going to stop here. And I'm going to stop here for a reason because I I don't want to to rush and uh, this morning I had this sense in my heart that actually we should not uh, be stopping with Ephesians. So I think the way that the service has run today has been great because uh, uh, we, I, I don't want to rush this because this is something really important for us as a church. What does it look like for you personally to be an imitator of God in your own setting? And that imitation that is marked by love and sacrifice. And that eagerness to please 
your number one in your life, Father God. What does an imitator of God look like for us as a community of faith? In whatever we're doing, is it marked? What is the motivation of what we're doing? Is it marked by love and sacrifice? Or are we pulled just from the approach of how successful we're coming across. Paul is urging us to have this life worthy of the calling. And part of that package is that you and I have to make that daily commitment to say that by God's grace and His Spirit, today, I want to imitate God. What can you pray on your five a day this week? Yes, please pray for Noah's Ark. Yes, please pray for the staff and the children and the families and all the ins and outs that you don't know and I don't know, but only God knows. What is something else that you can pray this week for Cairns? is that as individuals, we join the invitation of God's Word, that we become imitators of God. That as a community of faith, we join hands together and we're saying, actually, this is tough. This is absurd from, from the people that we've shared with. But actually, we're going to make a statement here. We want to become imitators of God, and we want our lives as individuals and community to be marked by love, sacrifice, and that abstain from evil practice. Because we've got only one that we need to honor and worship and glorify, and that is our God. We're going to, to, to take communion now, and Again, um, I've been really struck by that um, song that we've sang. Brian, can we have that um, on the song of living hope? Could we have the, the slide that is, who could imagine, please? While I clear this up, can you look at the slide? And I love that the last four verses, the cross has spoken. I am forgiven. 
So if you feel this morning that, oh, I can't do this, I feel a failure, the cross has spoken. The King of Kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. That's what he was doing when he gathered all the disciples, including Judas, and preparing them for the death and saying, guys, this is my body, broken for you. And we know that that was part of a Passover meal. And that third piece of the matzah was the piece of all the promises that were going to be fulfilled, but they were waiting. They couldn't break it. And Jesus breaks it and he says, I am fulfilling this. Eat this in remembrance of me. And then on the same manner, the Bible says, he takes the cup. And again, he says, this is the cup of the new covenant. What does he say about that? He says, because actually he has promised about this new covenant. And now it's fulfilled. So when we come to the Lord's table, we come with that assurance that God is faithful and he has fulfilled his promises. And if he is fulfilling promises, if he is a God-fulfilling, sorry, if he is a God-fulfiller of promises, then he is to be trusted. So as we've been joining this invitation, we say, God, we can't do it on our own. We need that cross to be speaking over our lives. Forgiveness. We want that cross to be speaking over our lives. Freedom, new life. And as Colin reminded us in our time of prayer today, that reality that God is a forgiving God and the reality of that clean slate, fresh start with Jesus. Do we want that? I want it. And I want it for you as well.